Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Paddock Perspectives. I'm going to be asking Liv questions she has no idea what they are. It's going to be fun, like a shotgun round, and we're going to see where the conversation leads us. It's obviously going to be F1 related. Here we go. So first off, I thought it'd be fun to just talk to you about your favorite team and drivers. So so who is your favorite all-time F1 driver? My favorite all-time? L- yeah, so you, you don't have to choose somebody that's racing right now. Mm, I don't know much about past racers other than the racers that I've watched. Well, there is like Kimi and Vettel. Yeah, I'm just... Other than the ones that like I I've I've watched I watched Vettel and I watched Kimmy and things I'm thinking about them too but I, I thought Vettel might be up there for you. It's a good question, isn't it? It is. It would have to be George Russell. I've been a fan since I started watching him race at Williams, which was when I tuned into the sport. He has proven over and over and over again that he deserves the seat that he has. He proved it in the Williams car. He proved it in the Mercedes car. He's proved it the whole time. Whatever happened at Singapore doesn't matter. It's in the past. It doesn't matter. It can't be the defining moment, his defining race. Which, if anybody's not super informed, just that would be last year, Singapore, in the middle of the year, Russell was doing pretty well at the end of the race, and he crashed. So she was just stating, other than that. Everyone's very focused on it as like... Well, what happened? It's like it's- I bring it up to you a lot, and I feel like I try to make you feel bad because I don't think he had as good of a season as he sh- should have with what he had last year. Did you ever have a favorite driver before Russell? It was Daniel Ricardo. Why was that? Because he's so fun and he's so normal. Like, how did you first like get exposed to him through Drive to Survive? And I just I love who he was as a person. He's just a fun person. He he doesn't take life so seriously. He's the guy you want to hang out with. I mean, when he comes to Texas, he puts on his accent. And I, I I love it. And he's a great driver. He did very well with Red Bull. That was who he was. Ra- he was second to Max when we started watching. And that was the very first season. He was the first driver that really was a part of Drive to Survive. He was the initial driver that they focused on, actually, in the first few episodes. I think I... Yeah. All right. Who's your favorite team? I feel like Williams was your favorite team because Russell was there and now Mercedes is your favorite team because Russell's there. So does that mean that you don't really have a favorite team? It's just it will be wherever Russell is? No, because if I had to pick a favorite team, it would be Ferrari. Okay, okay. So that that's something that I I wouldn't have guessed. I didn't realize. I love the matchup for the drivers. Charles and Carlos are a good pairing. Last year to watch them, too. They're so good together, and they work really well with their principal. And They get along very well in their understanding. They just have some miscommunication during the races. That's about it. And the car's beautiful, and it runs beautifully. Mm -hmm. It really became a competitor towards the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I have high hopes from... It looks like testing went pretty well for Charles um, in day two testing. So today was day two. So by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure they'll be done with testing. He did get the fastest time today. And that's good news because everybody thought Max was going to get the fastest time on every day because he got the fastest time yesterday. And everybody was like, oh, is this going to be a very boring season again? Yeah. I really hope not. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a really interesting season. I I think Max is going to run away with the 
driver championship. I think it's mainly going to be interesting because I'm going to be looking to see who's going to be picking up who because every driver has like an open contract at the end of this year. 2025 switch up is going to be amazing. We're going to do a whole episode on like predictions of where we think people are going to go before the summer break because that's when everything happens. So this summer, that'll be an episode that'll be coming up. (laughs) So I was thinking it'd be really interesting to ask you what was one of the most memorable races that really stands out? There would be two races. The first one would be Bahrain 2020. And the second one would be Singapore 2023. Okay. Why, why Bahrain 2020? Bahrain 2020 was a very good race of itself, but it was also... Oh, I know which one you're talking about now. It was also the Roman Grosjean fireball crash. So if nobody knows, we were watching a race live and we we've seen wrecks before but i don't think we had ever seen an instance where we were really like i don't think that that driver survived we genuinely, I cried yeah we <laughs> I, I laugh now because he did not die so that that's why i kind of chuckled he's fine he actually still races and what happened he was going around a corner. I think it was a restart to a race or the beginning of the race. Everybody's piled up at this time, at the beginning of the race, a couple turns. He hits somebody or something veered off, and he goes straight into a barrier. Mm-hmm. And straight through it. Through it. Rips the car in half, and it explodes. I'm talking movie explosion. Yeah. Uh, it happened so fast. I was speechless. That one sticks with me too. That would probably have been one of mine as well, Mm -hmm. but I didn't need to hijack that one. What was your other one? Why don't you explain that? Uh, Singapore 2023. This was the race where Ferrari was in the lead with McLaren Norris right on Sainz's tail. It wasn't a normal Red Bull number one finish, which was great. Carlos Sainz for Ferrari was the winner of that race. And he did some great racing. The famous conversation with his with his engineers about how Lando Norris and the McLaren was catching him. And he was like, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing this on purpose. For people's information, if somebody is within a second in certain areas on the track, so if you're trailing another driver, you get to open your back wing of your car and it makes you go a little faster. It's a little DRS boost is what it's called. DRS is drag reduction system that opens up the rear wing and it makes the car go, I think, five to maybe 10 miles per hour faster. I'm not sure about that one. It does help you pass. Carlos Sainz was keeping Norris right behind him on purpose within a second to block anybody else from passing him. He thought he could keep Norris behind him, but he couldn't keep the other people behind him. He had the genius thought that nobody else was thinking. Leading into Norris for McLaren, having a great race, right up there with signs, obviously, we had just stated, keeping Hamilton from passing him, which is great because Hamilton is a seven-time world champion. If you can keep yourself from getting passed by him, good for you. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say. He's the most decorated guy on the track still. Right. I mean, how do you feel about the constant technology advancements in F1, such as like the hybrid power units and the 
the aerodynamics. The reason I asked that during the regulation changes, the aerodynamics was a prop, you know, because of the porpoising and everything. So do you think, you know, now that the reliable is boring, how, how do you think that the development of the cars is going so far since 2022? Since 2022, I think it's come a long way because it wasn't just one team that had a porpoising problem. All the teams had this problem. Porpoising, it was a problem with how low the cars were to the ground. They were too low. In straightaways, just disrupted the aerodynamics of the underbody of the car. That right. was They have specific openings under the car to breathe in air. And it's a very specific area. And it was a new design. Most of these cars, and some more than others, like Mercedes, had a horrible porpoising yes. problem where they would just bounce up and down like they wanted to vibrate. Yes, I think they've come a long way from that, especially this year. We have a lot, a lot of teams that are going to be fighting for second and third. This is going to be such a good season. I mean, I hope so. It has all the ingredients. Everyone copied Red Bull's design from last year. And Red Bull decided to go with a completely different design. Yeah, because they want to dominate. Yeah, that, that was stated by, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, somebody on the Red Bull team. <laughs> If you were to create your F1 dream scenario, like a race location that maybe is not on the calendar, team pairing, or a, a, maybe a driver coming back, what, what would it be? What's What really, if you could make something happen, what would you want to happen in F1? I would love to see a George Russell, Pierre Gasly pairing for Mercedes next year. I haven't heard any chatter about that one in particular. I'm going to start it. I think it'd be a good pairing, but I don't I don't think next year. I want it. <laughs> F1 definitely has its fair share of controversial moments. Which one stands out the most to you? And do you think with all of the back and forth between the teams and the controversies between them with regulations and cars being built in different ways, do you think it's distracting or negative to the sport? Or do you think it's just part of it and it's kind of interesting. I think it's interesting because you look at controversy between Red Bull and Mercedes in 2021 when they were both neck and neck for the championship. It was a defining race. It was the last race that defined who won the championship. Last lap. Like it was incredible season. That controversy what made it so great. And then you had Russell Hamilton problem when Hamilton hit Russell and Hamilton blamed it on Russell. Last year. Yeah. Yes, he apologized and realized he was in the wrong, but maybe was not interesting for me, particularly being a Mercedes <laughs> fan and a Russell fan. It does make the sport interesting and it makes it come to life and it makes it more real for people, I feel like. Definitely, definitely. So now that we kind of touched on that topic, when we talk about rivalries between drivers, which one pops out to you? Is it ones we've heard about in the past, like Nikki Lauda and James Hunt from our movie Rush? Um, that That's where we know them from. We're not too... We don't know the history. We didn't <laughs> go back and watch them. They're from the... <laughs> 50s and 60s, I believe. The gods of the sport, apparently. Right now, or Norris and Ricardo weren't good teammates. And that was extremely surprising because they both get along. They, they didn't have like a feud or anything. They just didn't mesh nearly like everybody was like, mm -hmm. that's an amazing pairing. They're both very happy-go-lucky kind of guys. 
it seems like at least on the surface. That looked like a great pairing and Daniel was having some hard times at McLaren and he said this when he left in 2022 because he didn't get signed at McLaren again and he had to sit out in 2023. He's back in 2024 after he took over for Nick DeVries halfway through the season last year for RB Cash App. Visa Cash App. RB Visa Cash App. RB Visa Cash App. So with all of the media and everything surrounding F1, is there somebody in particular that you like listening to? You know, for example, our P1 guys, Matt and Tommy, they're awesome. Or Lawrence Barreto giving the technical analysis on the actual F1 channel, which is there somebody in particular that you enjoy watching? I like listening to the F1 Beyond the Grid with Will Buxton. His interviewing skills, he had an interview with Russell recently. He's had an interview with Charles recently. He's interviewed a lot of the retired racers too that haven't been in the sport in 20 years. It's very interesting to get other people's point of view that aren't in the sport anymore and how different the sport is now. It's a lot safer now than it was 20 years ago. Even though they're still going very fast and catching on fire, it's still safer than it was. People still die every so often. F2 a few years ago, Anthony Hubert died in Spa, I believe. It was pretty sad. He was a very good friend of Pierre Gasly's. That was a sad day for us to watch, too, because we heard about it before they raced the F1 race. That had to be hard. One last question. I heard that you had some frustration about the way Max is dominating. Who told you this? What little birdie's been telling you these things? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) My problem isn't with Max. And I wouldn't even say I have a problem. I'm just more irritated that they think that they can just come in here and dominate for a fourth year. Get out of here. It's not your time. Of course, my concern is viewership, of course, because I care about everyone else. (laughs) I get where you're coming from. I do. I just, I think that there has to be lulls in the process of competition. Sometimes people have to dominate so the other teams can figure out how to bridge the gap. They have to innovate. They got to figure out ways to get closer. I do think that even if a lot of these drivers had the same exact car as Max, Max would still be winning. I think Red Bull has a secret weapon that they have the best car and they have the best driver. I appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. And it was really fun to just kind of ramble on and see what happens. And if you guys enjoyed it, let us know. Have a great day, guys. 